Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 183 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. And do you remember the very first podcast you ever listened to? Now, I know you might have to rack your brain to remember if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, or who knows, maybe you're newer to podcasts and you have no trouble remembering. And maybe it's about time was your first podcast. But for me, it was Serial. You know, the NPR true crime series that really introduced a lot of us to the concept of podcasts back in 2014, 2015. And while Serial was definitely my first podcast, I want to know, do you remember your second podcast? (laughs) I know that's probably even more of a stretch to remember, but I absolutely remember the second podcast that I found after getting bitten by the podcast bug from listening to Serial. So after Serial introduced me to the world of podcasts, I started wondering what else was out there. And this was right around the time that I was beginning to feel very restless in my crisis PR job. Now, if you know a little bit about my story, I spent about a decade in the 24-7 world of crisis communications and government affairs. And around that 10-year mark, I was hungry for something else, something a little less burnouty, we'll say. And so I started to look for a better way. And you might know that I read every book I could get my hands on, but that also included searching for productivity over in Apple Podcasts, where I landed on a podcast called Beyond the To-Do List, which is why I am over the moon thrilled to introduce you to today's special guest, Eric Fisher, producer and host of, maybe you guessed it, Beyond the To-Do List. If you can't tell, I'm a huge fan of the show, and I've learned so much about time management, productivity, work-life balance, and other life-changing topics by listening to Eric's interviews with his guests. Guests like Gretchen Rubin, author of The Happiness Project, Better Than Before, and so many other great books. Guests like Laura Vanderkam, who wrote 168 Hours and Tranquility by Tuesday. Chris Bailey, who wrote The Productivity Project. David Allen, who created the Getting Things Done system. And all of these amazing time management and productivity people that I look up to. I'm so thankful to have found Beyond the To-Do List all those years ago. So now, let me introduce you to Eric Fisher. For more than 10 years, Eric's talked with experts on how to implement productivity strategies in their personal and professional lives. When he's not thinking about productivity, he's probably watching Star Wars or Marvel movies with his kids, singing karaoke in his head, or spending time with his wife of over 20 years. So in my conversation today with Eric, he shares all the details about his journey to creating a productivity system that works for him, because there's no one-size-fits-all approach to this time management thing, my friends. Like me, Eric wasn't a productivity expert from day one, and I can't wait for you to hear about what inspired his podcast and how he balances podcasting, family life, and his full-time job. And just wait till you hear how ADHD fits into the mix. And if you're scratching your head and wondering, is Eric the 
first ever male guest on It's About Time? Yep, you'd be right. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes. And this week's show notes can be found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 183. And I'll make sure to include links to Eric's podcast beyond the to-do list and some of the resources that we'll mention during our conversation. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Eric, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to talk with you today. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to talking. Of course. Um, Eric, I've got to tell you, back whenever I started my own uh, journey out of overwhelm and chaos, which my listeners are probably familiar with by this time, I dove into tons of time management books and articles and podcasts. And your podcast, Beyond the To-Do List, uh, was one of the very first podcasts that I discovered and started listening to. So it's really cool to be able to chat with you today. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Eric, I, of course, already shared the official Eric Fisher bio in our intro, but I would love to hear from you in your own words. How do you spend your time these days? Uh, how do I spend my time? Well, honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so <laughs> that's, and that's not the highest priority, but it seems like since this is a podcast, it makes sense to kind of call that out. <laughs> right. I don't just make them, I enjoy them thoroughly, so <laughs> you'd be surprised at how many podcasters actually sometimes don't even listen to podcasts. Really? It's kind of a... I don't know that there's an actual stat, but I know that there's been some talk about that recently. I've seen it three or four times from different people mentioning. They're so yeah. surprised to hear podcasters who aren't regularly regularly listening to podcasts. It's I, that's insane. I, I could see that, but what are some of your favorites? Like, what are your go tos? Yeah, so let me see. So I, so what's funny is I, I love the film cast. Okay. That is all about movies and they talk about, you know, hey, what we've, what we've been watching this week and then like their feature review. That's one of them. Um, I will admit I'm a huge Conan O'Brien fan. So I okay. love Conan's show. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Uh, long time fan since like 96 or something. <laughs> so very long time. Um, trying to think of what, you know what? I'm going to cheat. I'm going to grab my phone because <laughs> I should know this, but it's like hard to just bring them up. Ooh, the great American pop culture quiz show. Oh, cool. It's like pop culture and Jeopardy. And it, it's a pop. It's it's a quiz show with contestants playing. And I always try to beat them to the answers. So that's, I love that. that's bi-weekly. Um, I listen to Sounds Profitable. That's a podcasting one. Um, teaches you about podcasting. And, and oh, cool. It's into the, the industry and all of that. But as you can tell, like, I don't just like to listen to business stuff. Mm -hmm. I like to listen to. And I listen to the occasional Mark Maron episode or... Mm -hmm different ones that are like that, that are, you know, celebrity interviews for the sake of just honing the craft, listening yeah. to how they're doing the interview style and how they're, you know, digging into the depths of the conversations that they're having. So 
those are some of the highlights, I guess. There's okay. a other scattered ones where it's like, I don't, I don't listen to every episode. I listen to the ones, but I check, I say subscribed and I listen to the ones that make the most sense to listen to. That makes sense. But tell me this, what are you doing while you're listening to podcasts? Are you just like sitting in a chair? Like people used to listen to the radio back in the 1930s and, or are you, what are you doing? Tell me, tell me about Eric listening to podcasts. So listening to podcasts, <laughs> fitting that in like, because I can't do work while I'm listening to a podcast. I, just I can't, can't either. Unless. There is one major caveat. I will listen to an entertaining podcast if I'm just kind of going through and triaging email and other things like that, where I just go, okay, delete, delete, move, a snooze to come back this afternoon when that one's when I have a regular time to go and actually reply to emails. That is a time, you know, half hour to an hour, where I can like kind of do that. So that fits that in commuting, whether it's you know running to the grocery store, not literal running, driving. <laughs> Um, although walking on treadmill workout mm -hmm. time is another one of the times, um, doing chores like mm -hmm. doing dishes or full, you know, transferring laundry, <laughs> those kinds of things. So fitting it in. And again, this is why I, pr I, I prefer audio podcasts because you can listen while doing other things and you're not missing anything. You don't have to turn your head and make sure, Oh, what, what just happened? I'm missing my show. So that's where I fit that in. Okay. Uh, fitting it in all over the place. Um, and it's funny in the beginning, uh, in the intro of my show, I always say, I know you are, you're probably making the most of your time and you're running errands or you're doing laundry. It's so true. That's when we listen to podcasts. Okay. Eric, what else? Yes. So how else am I spending my time? Well, one is I make the show. I've been making the show now for over 10 years, which is wow. pain to me. Um, but that's a weekly show. Luckily I have an editor which I will suggest if, if you if you're a podcaster and you've not gotten to the place of hiring a trusted editor, you are wasting time. Mm -hmm. You should be definitely delegating that out to somebody who knows how you would edit it or at least to the 80, 90 percent because no one's going to do it exactly the same. Right. But that freed me up to be able to spend more time on other things. Yeah. Um, I have a day job. I work as a, um, a brand manager for a marketing place in Ohio that is run by a friend of mine. And so I have multiple clients, which means I get to do different things for different clients and when it, whether it's social media or copywriting or whatever, like all these different things. So it's never boring. It's always, it's, it's a mix of uh, a plethora of tasks. And so that's, that's fun and interesting. I used to be just a social media manager and that kind of got boring and honestly a little burning out because mm -hmm. Nobody wants to spend you. You end up spending no time on your own social, right. let alone promoting your own show as much if you're doing it all day for other people. So that is the truth. It's it's very much like a cobbler's children have no shoes exactly. kind of situation. Yes, and so then speaking of children, uh, I am married. Have been married now for over tw just over twenty years. Uh, celebrated that back in August. And wow! Then, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and I've got two kids, uh, one that is 18, the other is 11, it's turning 12 this year. So yeah, just one just turned 18, the other turn is turning, just turned 12 a couple months before that. And I spent a lot of time with them, all of them. Um, we've got two dogs, one, one that's, they're both rescues and they get along sort of. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what else I spend my time on. So I, I listen to a lot of music because I enjoy that. And again, mm -hmm. you'd be like, well, when do you fit that in? It's like, well. <laughs> I was no. going to say, you've got a podcast going, you've got music going. Just yeah. At the same time. And then obviously, 
there's lots of books to read to prepare for talking to guests and a lot of that fits in over the weekend and you know i try to treat that as enjoyable reading but again it's a lot of nonfiction. so right. it's like, i want to read some fiction so i'll fit fit that in in the evenings um i probably watch way too many movies or way too much tv but i kind of justify it because i'm doing it with friends and family and it's a communal kind of experience i love that so being a brand manager for the the company that you work for, you said that you have different types of clients, that you're doing different types of marketing and copywriting and some social media for them. Um, tell me a little bit, what what types of clients or industries are you working with? Yeah, all over the place. One's, one is a, a video um, production company where they make different, you know, brand style videos or, you know, work with universities to create marketing videos for them or, or small businesses or authors who have books, different things like that. That's, and that's all over the place. <laughs> Lots of different, like, Hey, let's optimize your website for, to get more, get you more clients. Or, um, they're one of the main ones that I do social for. So that's one of them. One is kind of in the construction industry a bit and, and kind of maintenance. And so there's different aspects to that that are unique. Um, one, one is it, it works with the software that is behind the, like, you know, when you go to a, com- a conference and their tables are filled with swag. Mm-hmm. So there's a company that makes all that printed swag material. Mm-hmm. This is a com- the company that I'm working with is the one that supports that company. So it's one step removed and it's <laughs> a infrastructure and software and all that kind of good stuff. So it's like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. But it's, it's a, I like that it's a variety of different yeah companies like there's even a comic book shop that's in the mix ah. as well i'm like oh i want to work on that one so very interesting very fun How fun it does i love i love the variety it definitely sounds it sounds like it would keep you on your toes yes and then your podcast beyond the to-do list like i said I'm, i've been a huge fan you've been podcasting for t- over 10 years august of 2012 is when the show launched so yeah it's been, it's it's about 10 it's almost 10 and a half years at this point and so have you always been a to-do list productivity guru? Tell me a little bit about how you actually got into this. Well, what's funny was, is I wasn't really, I was already podcasting, um, but I wasn't, let me do, let me do the superhero origin story real quick. Love it. Give it to me. Oh, no. so, uh, June June or July, I forget which, I should probably nail this down, but one of the J months in the summer, uh-huh. sitting there doing data entry in 2005. Mm-hmm. And I'm typing away and bloop, it pops up. iTunes has an update. And I'm like, all right, it's coffee and bathroom break time. <laughs> okay, on the update, it starts going. And then I go and come make my circle, come around, sit back down with my coffee. And I'm like, what is this thing on the side that says podcasts? And I click in and it's like, these are radio shows that are like TiVo. I can download them and pause them. I mean, we weren't even talking iPod. We're talking, I was listening to podcasts at work while doing data entry right. from that point forward. And I also knew instantly, since I had a background and a, a degree in communications from college, many years removed sort of at that point, I thought I'm going to do one of these. Yes. Now it took two years, but in that time I was appearing on other shows as like guest segments and things just kind of jumping in and, um, friend of mine did friend of mine and I who worked in my office at that point we did a comedy podcast that we would record at his house in a spare room all the stuff le- got left set up we'd go drive to his house on our lunch hour record about half an hour eat some lunch drive back 
And during the course of 2007, we we recorded a whole bunch of shows. We really got our Malcolm Gladwell hours in. At I that love point, it. Right? And end of the year, iTunes named us one of the new top 10 comedy podcasts. A lot of people don't know this. So we did that. We we Then we kind of went on hiatus, came back again a little while later. In the meantime, I was jumping on shows like a, a show I did with a friend, Social Media Serenity, where it was like, mm-hmm. how to do social media without going crazy. Is that possible? I think so. I've, I'm glad I did that show before I was really doing social media because then as that show was kind of winding down, I moved into a position at the university that I was working at as their first social media manager. Mm. Meanwhile, that person I was doing that show with said, I am going to, he was doing a number of different shows and he said, I'm going to pair them back. And I said, good for you. And he said, yours is one of them. And I said, that's okay because mm-hmm. this gives me the opportunity to come up with one for myself and finally launch it. And so that was January of 2012. I already said August is when I launched the process of figuring out what to do though, about for my own solo show. I was like, and, and by the way, at first I thought maybe I should blog. And I'm like, no, you like talking too much and you want to talk to people. So I already knew some of those things. And I said, well, if I want to talk to people, who do I want to talk to? What do I want to talk to them about? And as I started going through that mix, I started listing people and listing topics. And I started to connect the dots. And I thought, you know, it's it's almost like it's a productivity show, but it's it's I want to talk to people about how they tap into their creativity. How do they do the good work that they do? How do they manage their time? How do they and I'm like listing these things off and I'm listing the people off and I thought it's a productivity show, but it's beyond the to do. And I stopped myself. Look, there's the name. And it was a revelation. And I kind of <laughs> heard it in my head as Buzz Lightyear beyond, you know, do the to do list and beyond or something. And, and that's when it hit me. And then I realized, you know what? This is all stuff you've been interested in for a very long time for reasons which will become very apparent. And I'll just say it out loud now is the ADHD in me that also that summer of 2005, I had gotten diagnosed as an adult because I had mm-hmm. suspicions mm-hmm. for a very long time. And had been kind of, co- you know, coping with symptoms up till that point in my life through various productivity techniques. And so mm-hmm. it was out of necessity that I was adopting those. And so it just kind of made sense that like, interestingly enough, summer of 2005 to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call ADHD a passion, but I would say productivity as a passion and podcasting as a passion came together as a Venn diagram for me that summer. And what a Venn diagram that has become for you over the course of 10 years. That is amazing. You know, so often we hear this, what this phrase about making your mess, your mission and your test, your testimony and all of that stuff. But you took that, that suspicion and then the diagnosis and then the trial and error of kind of figuring out how to cope and still get things done into this amazing way that you have like served people for the past 10 years who were yeah. also looking for help. Yeah. I mean, that, that, and that was part of it was I thought, well, this is a way to get like free coaching. I can talk to these people, you know, I'm going to learn from them and that's great. But like everybody else can kind of walk along the journey with me. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, then I, it's not just a self-serving thing. Right. Right. Absolutely. I have been curious myself for so long about how people get things done. You know, you look at people who seem to have it all together and you wonder, okay, what is she doing? What is he doing to to do life? And so that was a, a very similar catalyst to starting my show as well. So high five, totally feel you there. Okay. So wait, Eric, 
you work full time, serving multiple clients from different kinds of industries, doing different types of marketing work. You are 10 years into an amazing podcast about productivity, a weekly show, which, you know, that's no big deal, doesn't require much commitment at all there. Just kidding. And you are a dad with a family and you've got two kids. And you also love spending time watching movies and hanging out with with family and friends and doing life. How do you do all of it? Give us your secrets. What have what have you created for yourself that enables you to do all of the things that you do? Yeah, uh, I think, and, and don't get me wrong, trial and error for mm-hmm. sure. Crashed and burned a few times where it's like, oh, I don't have a show ready for in two weeks, or I don't, I don't have a show ready for next week. What? <laughs> like, and that and that that actually that's been rectified for years now. Like I've. So actually, let's start there. So one of the things that keeps the podcast a a weekly effort um, from encroaching so much is batch processing. Mm -hmm. So I will carve out a window of time. These days, it's Friday afternoons more than more often than not. And I will just say, okay, that's your window of time to be air quotes on and be in record mode. Uh, And and that's what I do. And and it it just you just have to make it work because that's what works for the rem, the rest of my life mm-hmm. my day job my uh because we have kind of a cutoff at noon on Fridays where no no more meet like I'm totally happy about it no meetings no, like no no nothing and like I could do more if I wanted to but like that's like you don't have to in other mm-hmm. words so that helps um so that window may, means that like I could record two weeks or three weeks on that Friday afternoon and then I'm got a stretch going and, and there's documents that I work with. I work with my editor who's sort of production manager as well in a mm-hmm. certain way. And we've got that doc going. It's like, okay, this one's recorded on this day and this day. And then, you know, I've got them all listed out. We've got all the systems and projects in place and we're just using Google sheets. It's, yeah. you know, you don't need to make it any more comfortable, you know, complicated than that. And, and it comes down to just having that plan in place and kind of having regular check-in intervals when it comes to the project production process. And so uh, I never record ins and outs or, or ads at the same time. I focus on the conversation. And then once I've got those, I can go back and do those other things at other times, but that, and, and again, block out a window calendar that time, make sure it's not claimed by somebody else. But again, that's most likely going to be a different Friday. Right. So it's kind of having those time blocks, those time chunks when you can. This also applies to like over the summer because no one's in school. They're home. That's where I'm recording from. Like, okay. So what I would do there is almost like work like I'm going on vacation for the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it, Friday didn't used to be the time, but it is now. And so as we're here in March, I'm looking ahead saying, okay, we're in, we got March, April, and May, and I need to record as many conversations as I can before the end of May and school's out. Mm-hmm. And I occasionally sneak one in and say, hey, I know everybody's going to be gone this week to camp or this or that or whatever, um, and make that work. But it's overall having, having the rule and then allowing the exception. Mm-hmm. that production process. And so yeah. that it, it's, it's been trial and error. It's been incorporating people editing and not just me. Cause imagine having to edit all those episodes as well. Oh gosh. So 
that's that side of things. And then as far as um, the day job, Google Calendar rules all. Mm-hmm. It's it's what dictates what's happening and where and when. I claim my own time. Like I will go on there. Like there are regular meetings with different clients or internal people, other man, you know, client managers, brand managers, brand account managers, and different meetings, different um, collaborative times. But then there's definitely points in time where it's like, I go in and I block out two hours and no one can claim that time for me. I am working on this one. I'm working on this website copy for across that person's five or six different pages, updating it um, to a new tone of voice or there's something along those lines. And so having those times blocked out and then obviously there's work-life balance. And so <laughs> how am I doing? Well, because the day job, th- those two jobs really I call the podcast a job. It is those two things fit essentially squarely in the nine to five realm of time, Monday through Friday. And so that doesn't mean that it's not flexible. There are times where I will get up earlier and do work from like six to seven or Mm -hmm. seven to eight before other people get up and I need to maybe help a little bit getting them out of the house. And same thing with the evenings, maybe doing a little bit there. That's why I mentioned, you know, doing some of my research or reading for the show in the evening or especially like on a weekend, like a Saturday morning. But again, it's about knowing, <laughs> oh, you mean we have this family activity we all have to go to on this Saturday morning going to do this thing. Okay, didn't know. Now I know. And so it's about being proactive on on all those fronts and kind of looking ahead for the month, looking ahead for the quarter. And even further than that, as I was kind of talking about with like the summer. So that's the broadest strokes. There's probably some more nuance to it than that, but that's that's the broad strokes. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. 
All right, on with the show. Uh, so whenever you kicked off the podcast 10 years ago, did you start from the beginning with a workflow or did that emerge as you got more episodes under your belt? Definitely did not start with a workflow. Um, what I did <laughs> at the time, I was still working at the university. And what was great was I was in a position where I had not yet started the social media um, position. And so I was an enrollment officer for adult students going back to work or going back to school specifically to get their master's for in education. Well, I was recruiting more students than everybody else. So <laughs> like by a wide margin, Now I'm not just bragging about that. Those are the numbers. And when I found that out, I was like, <laughs> oh. and I had optimized my schedule so much that I was like, it's kind of a point of like, excitement for me to be able to say this, but like I did all the work that I needed to do every given day that I would be sitting in that cubicle. Mm -hmm. I would get it done within about two hours in the morning. And then I was done wow. for the rest of the day. And mm -hmm. that's not to say I didn't do anything else the rest of the day. I was a warm body sitting there for emails and for phone calls, but also post lunch, I would do another round of like contacting people proactively, et cetera. But obviously it was working. So fitting in then, I would, you know, I was kind of that that was back when I was like, oh, no, I haven't recorded enough. I'm not far out enough. Batch processing hadn't entered into the mix. But I was like basically recording on my lunch hour and shifting that lunch hour as to when I could record. And I was doing it in a uh, a soundproofed editing bay in the television station of the university. So I'd travel there with my heavy padded backpack with my soundboard and my microphone and go over there and then record and that's my lunch hour and then go and then I would eat something in my cubicle. None of this is prescribed stuff. I don't say do do this to anybody. <laughs> it was a nightmare and I did that for about the first 2 to 3 years of the show. Wow. Gradually got further ahead and realized, "Oh, if I pick one week where I know I'm not busy at work because we've already closed our previous start class, then as long as I'm on top of everything, I can record two or three that week during my lunch hour. And then that, oh, I can do that. That gets me. So I was trying to go like a month at a time mm -hmm. at that point. And, you know, that doesn't always work because sometimes availability of guests is random. But right, that was how I started to see the systematizing of it would make sense to save myself the headache. So yeah. and that was all before I started to work remotely and I was home, which that was 2014, well ahead of like six plus years ahead of pandemic times. So by the time the pandemic rolled around, working from home remotely was old hat to you. It was. It threw in new complications of everybody else being home all day with me. But right. Right. I was already used to, like, I was like, okay, you, gotta, you already have the tools to hack this. Right. Now we need to, it's a new scenario. Let's begin hacking. Let's adapt. Let's yes. make it, let's adapt and evolve. So I'm so glad that you shared that the beginning of your podcast the workflow and the, the time that you spent on it certainly does not look the same as it does now 10 years later. I think so many people feel inspired to, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a blog. I want to start a business. And they expect that things are going to be perfect from the very beginning. Like I can't start unless I figure out the perfect workflow in order to, in order to get this going. But I mean, you are proof and so many of us have, have lived through this, that you have to just kind of jump in and allow things to adapt, evolve and change and shift. 
Um, so thank you so much for sharing what that what those early days looked like. Yeah. Uh, one of the other notes that I would make is in the course of time, in the last, I don't know, say three to four years, or let, let's let's say since the time of Serial, when Serial, uh, uh, podcasting, just kidding, uh, <laughs> they came out with a season. Now they mm-hmm. drop one episode at a time, but the, the concept of a season, we were we were already aware of it, but not in podcasting so much. Right. I think if I were, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to answer it. If Hey, Eric, if you were to start all over again, how would you start? I would create, I would go by seasons. Yeah. I would probably pick two seasons or three or four seasons, but that would be it. And I would condense them into like, I would say 10 episode seasons per one per quarter or two um, longer, you know, 10 to 15 episode seasons. I, I'd have to play around with the concept, but right. ultimately I would theme those seasons and say this season we're talking about such and such, almost like a book. Almost like a book. Chapters, and probably release it all at once mm-hmm. and have a single sponsor or multiple sponsors, de- depending upon if you're doing dynamic ad insertion or all those good words for podcasting industry right. people. Um, but then be able to do that and say, hey, I'm making this season right now. I've got these guests lined up for it. It's on this theme. You want to get in on it right now. And then mm-hmm. you'd have this kind of, you'd have this natural cycle of mm-hmm. creation and rest and promotion and creative rebirth again for the next season mm-hmm. kind of naturally built in. And, and that's appealing to me. That's kind of how I do it now, but not necessarily, but not by theme, but that's what I would do is I would kind of say, but it, cause it would give me weeks at a time where I wouldn't have to do anything at all. So definitely consider that if people are, cause, cause you mentioned some people are wondering, they want to start a podcast. Don't discount that option as a way to save yourself a lot of time mm-hmm. and time spent on headaches when you're starting out. So Eric, what's holding you back from making the transition to seasons? I like doing a weekly show now though. That's the, that's kind of, and I like the variety of like, you know, Hey, last week I talked with, like, I just talked to Gretchen Rubin earlier this morning. Who's that? Just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> she came back on the show cause she likes me. And that was thrilling. And it's like, I could do like her, her new book doesn't really fit. Well, no, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, we had a great conversation by mm-hmm. the way. and thinking about what we talked about. Um, I think that's part of the process is figuring out how to tie things in. And I think maybe that's just something more conscious for me to do moving forward anyway, is to say, Hey, if you liked this episode, further digging on this topic and how it branches out into here, here, and here, like we mentioned in this episode, mm-hmm. see, I'm, I'm, I'm an audio processor. Like mm-hmm. that idea that I just had just now, I, I wouldn't have had it had I not been talking to you. Oh, so, this is and you fantastic. had posed that transition question <laughs> to me. And I'm like, the tr- I don't really think I need to transition anymore. I think I've got this back catalog, been doing this for so long. The question is, when are you going to start another show that's not specifically productivity related and apply the seasonality to that interesting is that more interesting is that where your wheels are turning now have been for a while actually and it's it's really a matter of figuring out the right topic and kind of the you know and i'm definitely doing it with a co-host most likely my editor producer person um We've we've kicked around a certain ideas and seasons have like the the stars have not aligned just yet. 
but it's this back burner simmering idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when the timing is right and, and what the topic and you're letting it go to work and simmer in your subconscious right now. Um, you know, that's something that I talk with my clients about all the time and that I've, I've shared on the podcast about is even when you're not actively doing something, taking action toward creating whatever it is that you're creating, as long as you've got that seed planted in your subconscious and you're letting it go to work in the background and make those connections, things are going to simmer and bubble up when it's time. Yeah. We came close with two different ideas and then we thought, you know what, this might be it. But then the the fleshing out of it just didn't really follow through. And we kind of took a sign. We weren't, we weren't procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, we were procrastinating, but on purpose. And it just, the timing didn't happen and the idea, and we're like, yeah, you know what? I'm glad we didn't do that because that idea didn't have enough legs, but it, it'll happen. It'll definitely happen. I, I just, I'm, I'm never going to not podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you never not podcast, right? I hope you always podcast. How yes. about that? Yes. Well, it, Eric, you, going back to something that you touched on at the beginning of our conversation, you know, you said that you um, weren't, it's not that you're passionate about ADHD, but you're passionate about productivity and you're passionate about podcasting. You know, I so often when someone um, either think has suspicions that they have ADHD or maybe they have been diagnosed with ADHD, um, it can almost become a crutch or an excuse. Uh, oh, well, I can't focus. I can't get this done. Or I can't, um, I can't be as productive as everyone else because I have ADHD. But it's, it's clear that you have taken that, that experience and you have turned it into a learning experience and a way to serve others. Um, tell me a little bit about just the having made the decision to pursue a productivity podcast. You know, what was it like learning from people in in those early days of the show, and how did you apply that to your life? Yeah, uh, for me, I'll, I'll start with. I want to address the ADHD thing a little bit. Um, my diagnosis came as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even in recent conversations with some people that I've had um, on the show, I think, as well as off the show, um, we a lot of us will probably suspect we have ADHD these days because we're showing the symptoms of it. But we're, we've habitualized ourselves in the way we approach our work with our phone, with our laptops, with the way we manage our time, with the way that we've trained ourselves to get another dopamine hit off all the things all the time that it might be suspect to a lot of people. That said, I don't want to say anybody that does suspect they have it doesn't take the test or, you know, get diagnosed or one way or the other. And so that's what I did. And then as I was moving into that, um, I was prescribed medication. I took it. It didn't. And it's been a long time. I mean, obviously 2005 was a long time ago. Um, I did not take it for a long time. I think I took it for a few months and it was kind of wrecking my sleep, which was then making it worse anyway. It was like, well, I do feel like I have more clarity at p- points, but then it falls off cliff because I'm so exhausted because I'm mm-hmm. not getting enough sleep. And so I thought, well, then I'm better off getting the sleep and just mm-hmm. dealing with, I know what the, I know what I felt like before. 
and maybe I can just work around that. Mm-hmm. And that's where in each conversation, depending upon what it was about, um, was where I would try to pick up those, the, the structure, the scaffolding to start to build systems in place to kind of say, okay, this is where I need to be here and there. And when here's how I stay like right now I'm talking to you. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not looking at other things on a screen. Like it's just, I'm just present. I'm just having a conversation with you. So how do you do that? Well, that's training. That's Mm -hmm. practice. That's one part, you know, meditation practice where you practice, um, you have a thought, you acknowledge the thought, you let the thought pass. Or if your brain won't let you let go of the thought, you pull like a legal pad from way over here and an analog pen and you write down, um, get oil change Mm because that's what my brain thought was more important at the time than what I was working on or or talking with you. And then you slide it away again. And that's one tangible minor example, but you'd be amazed at how much of a acknowledging the thought and saying to your brain, oh, thank you, brain. It's not time right now, but later, you know, being a parent to your own inner monologue and you put it away. It's like, thank you, brain. I'm glad you thought of that. Thank you. Yeah. So and and you and, and and he's and then he's like, oh, well, you know what? Not just the you know, we need to set up a, a vet appointment, the annual vet appointment for our dog. Oh, you know, you're right. And I have written that down right now. And I've and, and I will schedule that later this afternoon along with that oil change. Thank you. And just being, you can kind of tell I'm joking about this, but <laughs> being kind to yourself yes. and that inner monologue, like your brain's just trying to help. It's not yeah. trying to distract you, but it's like, this is so, but this is why I described this earlier, um, like going to a coffee shop and sitting there and sipping a coffee and, and having a, um, you know, that same legal pad, different page. And just writing down all those things on an, a regular interval, doing the mm-hmm. David Allen brain dump method mm-hmm. where it's like, what are all the things that like are on my brain, taking up my mental RAM and clearing that out? That's another thing I regularly do. It, I try to do that once a month and I try to do on a smaller scale, try to do it on a quarterly basis, on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. setting, blocking that time out and doing that. And then again, in those moments doing that these are things that these are these things that i'm talking about right now these are things i picked up from people that i talked to on my show oh my goodness i was cracking up when you were saying thank you brain because i have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and so right now it is a lot of that and eric i feel like you would love my shiny things method which is basically what you just just described with having the legal pad Um, And I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the way it works is you take your legal pad and you write your start time and your end time for your time block. So that's your method for beating Parkinson's law. Uh, Work expands to fill the time allotted. So you clearly defined your start time and your end time. Then below that, you write the one to three, no more than three things that you will do during that time block. Because if you happen to finish with the first one, You don't have to waste any time figuring out what to do next. And if you happen to make it to number three, amazing. So you've got the three things that you're going to do. You draw a line beneath that and you write the words shiny things because you are acknowledging that everything below that line is a shiny thing. That is a distraction. And then you get to work. And every time a shiny thing, like I need to buy more toilet paper or I need to get a gift for my mom's birthday, 
Thank you, brain. <laughs> Write it down on your shiny things list and move on. Um, so that's but just enough. Having, <laughs> having a block of time on your calendar that says shiny things. Yes. Or you know, you, you've told your brain, I have a time parked for that. Yes. For all those things that you're bringing up. So you don't need to bring them all up now, but you know. Right. I they have a time and a place and then it won't keep bugging you about the same ones. Exactly. There is a time for that. The time is not now. And then after your time block, you can decide, okay, what if this is not actually important? What can I delete? What can I delegate to someone else on my team or hire out? What can I defer until later? And then what's going to take two minutes or less that I can do right now? And like the two that I just gave examples of oil change and vet um, appointment may be already taken care of, but I just right. don't know it yet. And yes. I need to check in with the real boss of the house. <laughs> oh. The real boss of the house. I love that. I love that you acknowledge that. Um, now, I, we talked about trial and error. I'd love to know what have you tried that did not work for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I will say that I, a lot of people say that, you're going to have all this extra time to work on things, especially if you're hustling to do a podcast or write a book or make that course or whatever it is, you got to get up early. You got to get up super early and you know, you got, you got to be part of the 4am club or the 5am. It was 5am. They moved it to 4am. I'm like, I'm part of the seven o'clock club. I, I want to sleep as late as I possibly can. And you know, up until recently when my wife's schedule would not allow it because she had to get up at like six. So she'd set her alarm for 545. I'm like, seriously, can we just anyway, I'm throwing her under the bus for no reason. But hey now, luckily, it's not that way anymore. She doesn't have to go anywhere right away. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I've been able to embrace that and adjust that and say, no, you know what? Getting to bed at the right time and getting up at the right time for me, which is that time frame, you know, 10 p.m. to about 6 to 7 a.m. is mm -hmm. where things work nicely for me. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, I have to get, I'm like, oh, you know what? I need to have a day. I do not have enough dedicated time blocks and I've got to knock one thing out specifically. Okay, well, I'm going to get up at that. I have done a four and I have done a five. It's dependent. I, I, it, and it's just a matter of, okay, the coffee's like, I will have everything ready. I will like have the desk ready and I will have the coffee like ready to push the button and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And I'll say, all right, I'm going to knock that out. But like, it's an exception. It is not the rule. It's only needed occasionally. Right. Um, yeah. It, that's kind of one of my main things that I've like, I tried getting up consistently every morning and it was just like, I felt like I was asleep at eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing that. No, that's not, that's not for me. It's not for you. And that's the case for everyone. You don't have to copy and paste you just because someone else's billionaire morning routine works for them. Doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Um, and working with your strengths instead of against them or trying to defeat your weaknesses and force yourself to become a morning person. You don't have to do that. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is that a lot of people will say, well, even if you're not waking up early, the first thing you should be doing is working on work. And I'm like, no, that also doesn't work for me. I will um, take my, I, I ease into my morning a bit. There is a certain window where it's like, okay, by then I need to do stuff. Um, and there is a certain amount of like, 
hey, I'm still doing stuff earlier than other people. So mm-hmm. it it's, you know, I'm still ahead of things like mm-hmm. by doing maybe a little bit here and there, but like it, it again, knowing when you best do certain things. It's also about knowing when you do certain tasks best. Like, yes, I can knock a bunch of stuff out first thing, but then like afternoons are not for doing a bunch of grunt work. It's more like I could be creative then because I'm a little more tired and a little more yes. like caffeinated yet again at that point. But like, that's, that's a different story. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really paying attention to your energy throughout the day Yes, and to know how to work with that and um, make it work to your benefit. So you've mentioned having your, your legal pad to the side to catch those very thoughtful ideas from your brain. Um, and you've mentioned easing into your day, not starting on work first. Um, what's another strategy that you found has worked really well for you uh, over the years? Taking naps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, as much as we hated them as child, as children, we, as much as we hated naps as children, taking naps is huge. Um, I, and I honestly didn't really give it a try until Michael Hyatt said he takes yeah. a nap every day and it's like 20 minutes. I love that. And described that like a nap doesn't have to be an hour long. No. If you get past 45 minutes, you start to go into those deeper cycles. And then mm-hmm. as you come back out of it, you, that's when that like, you know, when you take a like if you take a two hour nap in the middle of like a Sunday afternoon or something and you wake up and you feel like you've slept for two what days. What day is it? You're like, I can't function. I sh- the nap was supposed to make me feel better, not worse. That's why. So mm-hmm. kind of so I I actually do sleep tracking with my Apple Watch. Um, mm-hmm. I will use I, I will actually do something. I can't I think it was Jer- um, trying to think of who it was. But anyway, they they um, ah, I can't think of a name. I'm trying to think of who it is, but I know it's a famous uh, Daniel Pink. It was Daniel Pink. He said he does something called a Nappuccino where he <laughs> he will take like best best case scenario is if you can get, get a shot of espresso. So it's quick to just down it. And then it takes 20 minutes for that to hit your bloodstream. Well, 20 minutes, if you're already laying down. It's hitting your bloodstream while you're unconscious, hopefully enough. And. <laughs> kind of set like a half hour I set like 45 minutes just in case I need it to go that long mm-hmm. uh, and if it happens if I wake up before then fine but like that's something that I don't do that all the time but the nap thing definitely taking mm-hmm. even just 20 minutes 25 minutes half hour ish and even if you don't fall asleep but you shut your brain down and you maybe put in like some music that's not got lyrics to it or something anyway any way that you can just turn all your senses off as much as possible and get into darkness and, and relax, you are unplugging enough to recharge. Mm, yes. Okay. So, so many things right there. Love the nappuccino. I have talked about the nappuccino before. Um, and sometimes people call it a Miss America nap. I have never heard that. Yes. A Miss America nap because uh, Miss America travels so often from event to event. Um, a friend of mine um, actually shared that with me because she was doing a lot of traveling at the time, she would hop off the plane, get into her Uber, drink a cup of coffee, catch a nap on the way to wherever she was going and wake up refreshed. So, um, Eric, (laughs) I have had so much fun chatting with you and learning from you and 
just hearing about how you do life, what your experiences have been over the past 10 years as a productivity-focused, passionate podcaster. Um, tell us, how can we continue to stay in touch and learn from you? And um, yeah, give us give us everything we need to know. Well, the, the best place to connect with me is at the show, and it's beyondthetodolist.com. Uh, that's where you can find me and that's where you can, I think that's where all my social links are, but if not, uh, I'm Eric with a K, the letter J F I S H E R on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. That's all those different places you can find me, but yeah, beyond the to-do list.com that that's where you can find it or wherever you, you know, just type in beyond the to-do list in your podcast player app of choice. Yes. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all of this in the show notes so everyone can, um, keep in touch. Eric, again, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. It has been such a delight to talk with you. It's been a great time. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. As you know, one of the things I love about hosting It's About Time is hearing different perspectives and getting the inside scoop on how people do life. So I loved spending time getting to know Eric and hearing his perspective on productivity. You can find links to the productivity tools that Eric and I chatted about, as well as links to his podcast and more by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 183. Before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode, episode 184. You might have heard me say before, or even read in my book, Time Management Essentials, that good time management doesn't begin on the pages of our calendars. Instead, it starts with getting crystal clear about what matters most to you. But sometimes, especially when life feels crazy and chaotic, taking a close look at your calendar is exactly what you need to do to clear space and get your life back. So in episode 184, I'm walking you through the step-by-step of doing a calendar audit. I promise it's not as scary as it sounds, and it just might change your life. All right, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.